Hey guys, welcome to the Old Dog BJJ Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Joe. Thank you for clicking and listening and taking the time out to listen to our little podcast. This week's podcast, we of course have Coach Anthony by my side, and we also have a special guest, uh, Dr. Todd Arcava. Uh, Dr. Arcava, as we'll mention in the podcast, is a colleague of mine that we work together in the emergency department. Uh, we've worked together, I think, close, maybe greater than four years, close to four years. Um, he is a mixed martial arts enthusiast. He is a BJJ practitioner. Um, he actually uh, helps me get ready for large tournaments. He'll come over and we'll just work on stuff one-on-one. And uh, he's been uh, a really close friend. Um, and uh, this week's podcast actually was kind of has its its origins really come from uh, Professor Reggie, uh, my professor at uh, Gracie Baja Spring Hill. Um, we currently this is being recorded in Mar early March, and since the beginning of the year, as you all know, there's been a lot of publicity about a new coronavirus that's out, and it's really affecting folks. It's causing a lot of anxiety, and uh, it's been affecting people in ways that I guess are somewhat predictable, but. Uh, pretty much beyond what I thought it would morph into. I know every couple of years we get a scare. Um, sometimes it's swine flu, H1N1, SARS, MERS, um, Ebola, and it's important that the, the public stays educated. Um, of course, we have a new virus uh, on us, and we, we get into that, and it, it actually might get more into the weeds than most people would like, and there's not a whole lot of jujitsu. Um, that we talk about on the podcast directly, but it does affect us directly and how we should be practicing and how we should be taking care of ourselves and taking care of our partners and our family. In either case, I want to say thank you for Professor Reggie because this is really his idea um, to kind of get out to folks and, and talk to them about this. So um, with, uh, with that, let's get the podcast started and thank you for your time. All right, everyone. Welcome and thank you for listening to the Old Dog Jiu-Jitsu podcast. We are back um, with a backup program. (laughs) So uh, our last podcast, unfortunately, is in the ether of some computer that didn't have enough memory. That's 100% my fault. It was a good one. We did a podcast on traveling and um, it was just some good... uh Good, good bro time for uh, for Coach and I to, uh, to just talk about stuff uh, that we wanted to present to you all. And then uh, we said, we'll just keep it for ourselves. It does not exist any longer. In any case, <laughs> so um, after that and after the Ricardo Almeida interview that I was so lucky to do a few years ago, that was also gone due to quality and a looping just let's not talk about it. In any case, so we're having backups to backups because we have a special guest with us today. Um, we are we're going to talk about a couple couple of things, but the, the heart of the subject today, of course, um, is going to be the coronavirus and how that affects us in the BJJ community. Um, so to help counter and check all my arguments and points of view, I have a very good friend of mine, a colleague, one of my partners. Um, uh, partners, that sounds a little funny when you say partners sometimes. It, it does. It? It's got a multitude of meetings. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Arcava. Um, and Todd Arcava is an ER physician who is a martial arts enthusiast. In fact, he helps me uh, on a couple of occasions um, train to get ready for tournaments and has a background in Krav Maga and uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, among other martial arts. Is that what you. That was mainly it. And- 
yeah. used as a tackling dummy for most of those. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we have him aboard, and of course we got uh, Coach Anthony as always with us, and uh, yeah, we're going to get into it before we actually start talking about what I think every channel. <laughs> right. I think you turn on any channel. I don't watch regular TV. So it wasn't until my wife was getting ready for a girls' night out that um, we had uh, Dan and Shay, uh, the country artists, they uh, they have a concert down at Bridgestone. And through our company, and Todd and I have actually gone to the UFC, and we've used the the, the box. Yeah. What, what's it called? Um, they used to be sky boxes. I don't know what they're called now. Luxury box. It's, it's, luxury suite. Well, yeah. tell, tell, tell the people what, what this box is like when you go to it. Oh, man. It is... Uh... You you go in through the uh, the special entrance and uh, then you get up there. There was uh, what was it couches? There was beer, liquor, food, and then uh, some seats in case you wanted to join the commoners and actually sit in the arena <laughs> with the uh, the rest of the folks, or you could just stay back and look down upon them. So it's pretty neat. It's yeah. sweet. Yeah. So um so I, I'm you know I'm I'm constantly trying to in in our I, I know that we're gonna have a podcast with uh, Professor Reggie here coming up, but we're also gonna have one with husbands and wives and as being somebody that practices jujitsu and it takes up a tremendous amount of time i'm always looking for things to say okay hey this is a good date night yeah and it's not just a dinner out so dan and shay uh country singers one of them actually lives in our neighborhood shay or owns a house here um they're at bridgestone i know i can get these tickets so i thought it was great that's fantastic let's go ahead and do that right and um so I get the tickets, secure them down. We're going to go. And because one of them lives in the neighborhood, a bunch of the girls that my, my wife hangs out with are planning on going. So she tells me, and immediately I'm like, oh, you're definitely going to have more fun with them than you will with me. <laughs> now, I mean, this is, she hasn't been to the box seat. And the best part about it is you've got your own private bathroom. Yeah. They're so, nice. I've been a few times. Oh, man. They're, it's they're amazing. super sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And I immediately start looking at, oh, man, there's a UFC that night. <laughs> you know, I really do think. Now, I was, I, you know, my feelings were a little, like, maybe a little tiny. Not really. No, no, not, you're, not, not at all. you're a realist. You know. So she's prepping to get these, have these girls over to have kind of like a pre party before they go down. Mm-hmm. And we go into one of the liquor stores that uh, we were going to get some mix. Uh, she was going to do like um, uh, espresso martinis. So we're going to get the ingredients for that. So we go to one of the liquor stores down the street. And it's the first time I'm watching regular TV. Oh, yeah. So I haven't seen, because the, the guy who owns it, he always has the TV up. It's on. Um, I haven't watched regular TV. Uh, I mean, I I watch Flow Grappling. Yeah. You YouTube. even on cable? No. Yeah, I don't either. I've, do you have cable? I, I do. Okay. But other than live sports, there's really not much regular TV that right. I'm watching. Yeah, so I haven't seen it. I don't know about you guys, but then I everything... I mean, we were in there for a good 15, 20 minutes because... Anyways, that's a whole time. other. It takes time. No, it does, it does not take time for me. Okay, I'm like this is the clue you want. Well, they have a different type. But no, no, this is what you want. But anyway, yeah. so we were in there for a little bit of time, and um, I was amazed at the hysteria that was on TV. I mean, I actually, I started. I had to use my. I had to say, do be logical now. Yeah, you know what you know, and, and so we're gonna get into that. Yeah, a that's, little bit. That's the media. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're gonna. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely get into that. But speaking of mm-hmm. staying home last night, and speaking of watching the UFC, yeah, uh, you know, um, whoa, Yoana's <laughs> head does not look normal. <laughs> which which one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, since we, you know, you guys always hear me talk, but I got Doctor Todd here. Um, 
What was going on with her forehead, sir? That you... was pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to explain to everybody what was going on with that? What is a hematoma and what the hell it is? And I mean, yeah, just in layman's terms, a bunch of broken blood vessels underneath the skin that swells up. And then when you get punched in it repeatedly, it tends to get larger and larger. And yeah, she looked like war. I mean, and she's a warrior. Oh, oh man. Yeah, you yeah. know, but oh, man. Oh, man. And yeah, yeah it's uh, it was pretty pretty dramatic yeah i cannot imagine what that thing looks like today oh it's gotta be awful and probably every color of the rainbow say what what color is it oh yeah and leaking down to i'm sure she's got two black eyes and that's just leaking everywhere yeah and and advice to like cutman we were talking about this you don't press on those the only time you press on a hematoma if it's in your your field of sight your field of vision um, and if it's going to obscure your ability to defend yourself, that's the idea of taking the end swell, that metal piece, and pressing the hematoma out of the line of uh, line of sight. Mm-hmm. Because if you put trauma on it, it's going to get bigger. People talk about spreading it out. Right. Yeah. And it's going to get bigger. It got there from trauma. What do you think more trauma is going to cause? And I, I think my biggest question when people have these and they come into the emergency department is, can we drain them? And that's usually the the... The number one question I get from somebody, they're like, yeah, I know what it is, I know, but I want you to drain it. Uh, other than an ear, I don't ever drain these, do you? No, I don't either. And it it looks really attractive. Like if you just you know numb that up and stick a big needle in it, you're going to suck all that blood out. But honestly, I'm sure most of it is clotted. Mm-hmm. And there's probably little types of walls in there that you're not going to get through. Almost like taking water out of a sponge with a needle. Right. You're right. going to be kind of exactly. ineffective. I heard yeah. it described as a pulled cotton. Oh, um, said okay. somebody who had it on their elbow. You know, the hmm. electron yeah. bursitis, the Popeye elbow. And he's like, can't yeah, you right. just drain it? I'm like, it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. And it's just going to recollect. Oh, yeah. And he, yeah. he's like, come on, do it. I'm like, okay. And so I went ahead and numbed it up and put the needle in there and started to draw a fluid. And one little pocket came out. And it was still huge. And so I started digging around in there. And after about 10 minutes of this, he's like, yeah, doc, you were right. Don't do it. I'm, I'm done. But, <laughs> <laughs> now, the ear is a little different. We were talking about that yeah, during sure. the fight Absolutely. because the ear actually has that perichondral tissue mm-hmm. and it's separated from the skin. And that, that can some, be somewhat effective, but does tend to recollect, as most of us know with our ears. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got tired of draining mine. It would We would drain, it would recollect, drain and recollect. And you, you really got to have a mold for the ear to keep it from recollecting for a long period of time. And also not getting back in the gym until it's healed up. And, or put, yeah, wear yeah. big ear things. Right. Nobody wants to wear because then you're getting triangled all the death. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what did you guys think of uh, the call? Now, I know it's hard to watch that the Yuana Zing fight and say who is a definitive winner. I mean, obviously, it was a competitive fight back and forth, back and forth. Right. Um, you agree with the call or not? What do you say, Coach? Oh, I definitely agree with the call. I, I looked at the scorecards because at the end we, we were talking about the unanimous or the split decision. <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, they all gave the third round to Johanna, and that's the one that we we had talked about. You know, yeah. uh, uh, Whaley looked like she was kind of uh, refilling her gas tank a little bit and slowing down. But other than that, I mean, she she pushed through the whole five rounds. I mean, never really let up except for the. That a little bit in that third round, yeah. so it's kind of hard not to give it to her just based off of the aggression, uh, holding the center of the cage, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and just bringing the fight to Johanna, who's like you said a while ago, she's a warrior. She's somebody who's really tough, and I've never watched a fight of hers and been unimpressed. You know, yeah, so, she brings it every time, <clears throat> every single. So time. we've we've seen three title fights. We've seen Johanna and Zhang. We've seen Romero and uh, Stylebender. We have seen. Uh, Jones and um, 
gosh, his name slips my mind. Who did Jones just fight? Um, God, this is the former oh. football player. Oh, you're talking about uh, from a different different UFC. Yep, from like, a, oh, that was I can't uh, think of his name right now. And he's <laughs> he's gotten lots of air airtime on commercials too. Um, you want to look that up, Young Jamie? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> uh, everybody right. listening to this is screaming into the <laughs> oh, into the into their I, smart I device. What? Because uh, <laughs> I was thinking of the the um, the one we just watched, and I was like, "Who are you talking about?" Uh, and it's not Anthony Smith. That's not who I'm thinking of. No, um, no, that was the previous one. Yeah. You're talking about the guy who decimated his knee. Uh, or no, not no, no, Dominic no, no. Reyes. Dominic, Dominic Reyes. Reyes. Okay. We so go. we got Jones and Reyes. We have Zing and, and Joanna. And then, of course, we have Alessandra and um, Romero. Romero. And, Romero. Yeah. and I think most people would agree that all three of those fights were incredibly competitive. Yep. And I think that you have a lot of people that feel that Romero won and that Dominic Reyes won. Dominic Reyes, yeah, for sure. Which brings us back to... Which, which when I watch those fights... I agree. I, I I thought Romero won, and I'm not watching it with the sound off and trying to analyze as a, as a judge. Sure. And I thought Dominic Reyes actually won. And yeah. won from the standpoint. I know Jones says my wrestling made a difference. What? Well, but he won three of the rounds, and it is a sport, and this is the rules of the sport. But does this go back to the old adage? Because in boxing, and we got to we got to have to remember that a lot of things that we do in mixed martial arts, every everything from the three judges to the one ref to the scoring system is all. Um, a bastardization of boxing, boxing right? right yeah. um, it's the framework of boxing that we brought across, but there's another framework that a lot of people don't discuss, and it's never mentioned in mixed martial arts, but it's commonly spoken again and again and again and again in championship fights is to become the champion, you have to definitively beat the champion. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to add to that. Um, and I know that's not spoken in mixed martial <clears throat> arts, but um, it's almost like it's not the same game when you fight the champ. Yeah, and in a close, and we have seen close fights tend to slip towards the champions. Yeah, you always fight at a deficit against the champion, and you and and mixed martial arts. It, it every single fight that I've ever watched goes to. So the wouldn't it make close. it a little bit? And and I don't know if that's fair or not. And things aren't supposed to be fair. Life isn't supposed to be fair. It just sure. isn't. Wouldn't the open scoring system be a better way of approaching that? Oh. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny because I was going to mention that when you're talking about it, because the old, um, the way Pride used to do it is they would judge the rounds, but then also judge the fight as a whole. And yeah, so did they let you know at the end of the round though? They I didn't. No, they, they didn't, didn't have open right. scoring. No. They still didn't have open scoring. Though. No. Um, but that would lend itself more to having to beat the champ because you could. You'd be like, well, he won these rounds, but the fight as a whole, I'm going to give it to the champ because he oh. he defended it. Whereas the round by round scoring, I feel like you have to be unbiased unless the judges are not actually recording their scores until the fight's over, and which they are not supposed to do. They are supposed to record them as the fight goes on, from my understanding. And I'm sure that might change state to state. Yeah, but they're supposed to record them fight to fight. And I'm curious how often that happens. Because if you've ever seen how long it takes to collect the scorecards, yeah. sometimes yeah. something fishy's going on. Right. And so I and, wonder if they're... And they're not supposed to be aware of anyone else's scores either. Right. But something's going on. Yeah. Because it should just be simple math at the end of three rounds or five rounds that it's just... And it's on paper. Why doesn't it go into a computer and there's your, your numbers so you don't have addition errors? I mean, there's whole, whole kinds of flaws with this. So, well, the way the scorecard looks is you have fighter A, fighter B... Who do you give your 10, 9 to? And then there's a box for total points for fighter A, total points for fighter B. So every round, you're supposed to add it up, just like playing a game of Yahtzee or whatever. 
That way, you know, end of round one, you know, this guy won round two. There's your total score for the fight. And that's what they're supposed to do through each round is, you know, keep up right. with that. So, like you said, it shouldn't take more than 15 seconds. And where the, hell did the, the card. where the hell did the 10 points? You never get five points. You never get four points. Why do you have 10? Yeah. Why not just have three, two, and one? <clears throat> yeah, and that's just, that's just the boxing. Oh, I know. I, I'm just but, picking it apart. And in addition to that, my 15-year-old son, who is, is really, 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 really smart kid. Really smart kid because he works at it. Um, new concepts, just like with me, new mm-hmm. concepts. It don't come so quick to him. doesn't right. come so quick to me. He's just like his dad. The other kid's a little different. But even somebody that I'd say new concepts, he needs a couple of times at him, and he gets him down, and he learns them better than anybody because he's a hard worker. But even he sat down one time and said, oh, I've never heard of these judges. Are they black belts? No. Ah. Uh, are they like purple belts? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think they're, they're any. He goes, I know for sure that ref. He's not practicing jujitsu. Like, what are they? <laughs> and you never know for sure. But it is it is curious that on top of the scoring, what are the qualifications of the judges? Yeah. And, and so that brings into the question, because this has happened in, in, you can imagine when you got high-level fighters, you got a pretty good idea. Probability is the judges know who, who who is who. Yeah. Imagine how easy it is to get people mixed up when you really don't know who they are. Oh, yeah. And no, you have fighter red and fighter blue. Sure. And now you're in a cage. It's not a ring. The colors are... Come on now. And they're, they're not even visible during some grappling exchanges. Yeah. So wouldn't it be nice to have that open scoring so somebody could go, Hey, Paul Diamato, did you really mean to score? Look, come on, man. Wait, this like little... No, no, Paul, sir. By the way. It's the only name I could <laughs> <Yeah>. think of. <laughs> Not gonna call uh, out Adelaide Bird. No, no, that was too easy. That was too easy. So, um, yeah. So, anyways, we got uh, um, some good fights coming up. I think the one that uh, most people are anticipating the greatest would be um, obviously uh, Ferguson and Khabib. Is this oh, the yes. fifth attempt at that one? It is. Is it the it fifth? fifth? If it's the fifth. So, um, uh, we'll start with you, Coach. Your predictions, and I know it's early for predictions. But first of all, do you think the fight's going to happen? <laughs> so is, it, is it early for predictions? Can I predict coronavirus for yeah. both of them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like if uh, you know, it was the tiramisu one time. You know, it was like Tony tripped over a cord, like a lighting cord. Something that could have happened to anybody, and he got a serious injury from it. And he's a world class athlete. That's yeah. crazy. And he's the the most insane athlete. Not, that's not making fun of mental issues. Just like his. just the way tony works out just for something that that freak of an accident to happen to him and put him out of commission for a world title fight is just an well i don't was it a world title fight at that point it was it was was, yeah so anyway point being um i would really like to see tony take this one home um i'm not the biggest khabib fan he is uh he's really good at what he does um i think i've said that on one of the podcasts that's actually made it out to the masses before um (laughs) his wrestling is is top notch you know he he plays his game well he's really good with it um his striking's becoming better um obviously he's not he's not on the level that a lot of these guys are but uh you know have you guys watched any of the the behind the scenes kind of stuff uh air quotes for those of you can't see my fingers uh with khabib and dc in the gym no i haven't watched it yet well they've been putting all these out on social media and the relationship between those two guys is absolutely hilarious um because you know when when you speak to somebody that speaks a different language than you i know myself personally and i I see a lot of people do it you kind of become a bit of a chameleon and, and speak 
broken English back to them. Okay. I, I, so when uh, uh, Professor Felipe was living with me for a little bit, uh-huh. Amy used to call me out on it. Oh, He's yeah. like, He's Brazilian, not retarded. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Stop so you use the talking like I, that. Yeah, that. Stop. Oh, I don't give a crap. No. <laughs> stop talking like that. And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm emphasizing words because I don't know. Yeah. She's like, stop talking. And she would yell across, like, you're doing it again. Yeah, I've been <laughs> yeah. called on, so, so, on, so, out yeah. on that before. Yeah, so you change like, your... Yeah, your, your whole mannerisms of how you talk. So DC does that to Khabib. So Khabib will talk to him, and he's like, yeah, you jab. You jab, jab. And then you, you, you know, whatever, whatever the sentence is. And it's like, it's it's really comical. But to see, like, kind of the bromance between them uh, and what it's done for, like, Khabib, I think, uh, in bringing his, his game up, too, uh, has been really good. So to back it up, I want to see Tony win. I think Tony has the tools to win. He brings something different to the table that's really hard to – can't really plan to fight Tony Ferguson. I mean, you can look and see all the wild, crazy – uh, Minari rules that he does anytime he's in danger and prepare for that. But the guy's just wild. You don't know what he's going to throw. Um, so my pick would be Tony. Um, and I really feel like Tony could knock him out. I feel like Tony's going to bring the pressure and just put hmm. uh, put Khabib on his bicycle. What's you, Dr. Todd? Um, what I think, if, if it actually happens, I'm going to have to go with Khabib. I mean, nobody has really come close to to testing him or yeah. dom- let alone dominating him. And yeah, he's never faced anybody like Tony. Um, personally, I just something about excellence, like somebody who's excellent at anything. I just enjoy watching that. He's a Patriots fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, has called me out on that. But it was just like watching Anderson Silva. I mean, as as, much, as good as he was, there's something beautiful about watching that guy perform, just being so much better than everybody else. Yeah. Michael Jordan, just somebody who is that much more dominant than everybody else in that field, it, it's just fascinating. Yeah. And then somebody's going to beat him. And so that that's what's interesting to me. So right. I, I got to go with Khabib on this. Yeah. I'm going to add in real quick. Did you guys see the, the media scrum face-off between Tony and Khabib the other day? No. no. Okay, Tony's in his head already. So oh, Tony put oh, that, that interim belt down that he's been carrying around, you know, since way back when. So he put it down on the ground in front of Dana, and then they're jib jabbing back and forth. And there was a there was a comment between them where Tony called him a fake champ, and Khabib says you're a fake Mexican. <laughs> so because Tony was a, he's he's of Mexican heritage, but born and raised in California. Yeah. Um, but Tony, and his last name's Ferguson. yeah, I was gonna say Ferguson, a very common Hispanic. <laughs> but Tony name. calls himself a proud American and a proud Mexican. That's what he says. So yeah. Tony took it to heart. One thing leads to another. Tony leads the leads the belt down and says, uh, you know, this is my my title. You're going to fight me for my title. And Khabib kicks his title, like tries to kick it off the stage. So uh, Tony's okay. already in his head. Yeah, and okay. I think that's a real big key to getting Connor tried to do it. I was going to say, if Connor couldn't get in his head, I don't know how Tony's going to do it. But. So that's the thing, you know, but maybe maybe Tony found something somewhere to, to dig yeah. it. But uh, do you Khabib. really want an angry Khabib? <clears throat> if you want a guy that's, like you said, he's excellent, he's on his game, how do you shake that? Yeah. You try and get him off his game mentally somehow. So I don't. I think maybe that's the approach Tony's. Trying no, but I don't. To I mean, well. he was furious with Connor, and after he oh yeah, demolished him, yeah. He, come to think of it, he was pretty pissed, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. and oh, then he, he was super. He super wasn't pissed. done, so he went and beat up his team also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know if a, a calm Khabib is better because he. I mean, he tore Dustin up. Dustin yeah, he had did. A, a really good chance. I thought he was doing a good job against him. Um, slight tweaks to that guillotine that he could have done, where he could have finished uh, a Khabib, but. Um, you know, Khabib was as respectful and cool and calm and collected as possible, and he's, you know, yeah, still decimated him. 
So. Yeah, I, I I love Khabib. I love his humility. Um, I love the way he just presents himself. Unfortunately, it's not popular with a lot of folks. Yeah, and I think that the UFC would love to see Ferguson as their champion, and they'd like drama within the. I feel the Khabib's division. fake though. That's why I don't like Khabib. Oh. I don't feel it's genuine. Oh, you that, don't. That's why I don't like Khabib. His oh. skill is amazing. I think he's a, a beautiful wrestler. Yeah, but I, I feel like it's all fake. Oh, what, really? What part of it? Just his, the way he comes off, I feel like it's just for the cameras to feel like, hey, I'm a good guy, I'm number one. Like, he's trying to go that route. Sure, I'm sure he's respectful. Like, his dad probably brought him up to be respectful. But I think, you know, like, Tony and Connor bring these little things out of him. Like, you don't see, you know, Damian Maya jump out of the cage and go bust somebody in the face. And that's the nicest dude on the planet. See, that's, that's a good point. That's a good so point. I'm really I'm, humble, I'm, 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 you're I'm, humble. I've dr- drank the Kool-Aid. I think yeah. I drank the Kool-Aid with, with Khabib. <laughs> yeah. You know, him taking time off to... And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not... Obviously, I'm not Muslim. True. But I like it when somebody stands by their convictions. It can, yeah. you know, it can be that this is all act. Absolutely. But I, I bought the Kool-Aid. I drank the Kool-Aid on that oh, one. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. with that being said, would I love to see... See, I, I agree. I like to see somebody's legacy. Would I be upset? If Tony won, oh, it would shake the division up. And as as a as a sloth of a, a, a viewer, you know, mm-hmm. some lazy person not in the do I want to see drama? Do I want to see the division shake shaking up? Yeah, sure. sure. But the martial artist in me, I like to see that what you were talking about, Todd, with that just that legacy, that perfection. I would love to see him retire with no losses. But I wouldn't be mad at some drama, and that's that's like the dark side of me. No, to sure. see the drama in oh, the yeah. division. I love chaos, and I still have like I don't know if you guys remember, but Tony was on the Ultimate Fighter, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's only a segment. And I always say a segment never defines somebody's character. Right. A segment doesn't define you. We've all done some screwed up stuff that mm-hmm. somebody defined us by that one incident. It would be really unfair, but yeah. But he had a segment on there where he drank too much. He was just turning. He just turned into a freaking ass. Right. Yeah. A real ass. Like I'm like, I want to see that guy lose. Totally unfair of me. It's the common thing that a sports fan does, right? Right. And, and that show, they they wanted that. Oh I yeah. Mean, they, yeah. Know, yeah. Lock yeah. a bunch of yeah. alpha yeah. males inside a, a building. They wanted him to. Yeah. yeah. And then feed them alcohol. And, yeah. And you can't talk to your family for six weeks. And you're gonna make weight every week. And you're gonna fight each other. Yeah, let's, let's see what happens. Line from the Ultimate Fighter was that one guy. He got so drunk, and he was like, "Just let me bang, bro." Do you guys remember that? <laughs> he was like crying. Just, Just let me bang. Uh, I'd never forget that. So we'll 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 do more little segments, uh, obviously, about that fight coming up as it comes up. Um, do you you have that night off? Do we got that I, night yeah, off, right? Yeah, Did I get that night off? Yeah, I think I screwed something up with that again. Yeah, I? but I think you swapped out of your early morning shift the next day. Okay. All right. Yeah. I can't remember. I can't. I don't have much of a memory. All right. So um, the, the heart of the matter, what we wanted to talk about today, uh, probably more than anything else, um, that will ride the wave of all the media. And that really isn't my intent is to ride the wave. My intent, we, we put together a very short video yesterday in regards to educating people on coronavirus and what it is. I was really taken off guard, which I should not have been. When I heard that people were freezing their memberships uh, throughout jujitsu schools everywhere, yeah. not just ours, right? Uh, really focused around kids, I think, not so much adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I heard that, because a lot of times I know that I am not going to convince somebody when somebody believes something in their heart, and they don't have maybe the background in statistics, or they're just maybe logic isn't a big part of their world, what they do on a daily basis. It's very hard to use those tools 
to let somebody understand the reality of the world that is around them. Okay. That's even hard with doctors. Sure. We can have objective data with doctors and they still kind of, they kind of hook onto their feelings. Um, you know, in, in the administrative role, I'm not really in a heavy administrative role anymore. A little light. I don't really do hold. I'm an assistant director, but when I was a director, I used to tell people, I don't really care. And I wouldn't say it in these words. Sometimes I would, depending on who I was talking to. (laughs) I don't care about what you feel. We have to look at numbers. Feelings don't mean anything. You feel that this process is going to make things more difficult in our department. Can you give me statistics? Can you give me an idea? Tell me a logical process because we can't go off of feelings. When I'm trying to get to a destination, I don't turn right because it feels good. I turn right because I know that's going to help me get to my destination. But that's a concept that when people have feelings, they, they just it's, it's a really hard thing to break through. And when you're getting bombarded with the media, when you're getting bombarded with all these different sources and these scares, and um, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Have you noticed that oh, in yeah. folks? Yeah, and that's what a cognitive dissonance is. You're like, I know what the numbers show. However... This is what I'm going to do, even though it's illogical and irrational. Okay, I still you got to remember, Todd's a MD. I'm a DO. So, <laughs> so I think that's so that a eye doctor. Is that- <laughs> are you are you a chiropractor? <laughs> um, no, no, I'm an ER doctor. But so cognitive dissonance. Can you say I can? Cognitive dissonance. Dissonance. So you you know and you you understand logic and reason and science. But somehow you convince your brain that the illogical, unreasonable conclusion is the correct one. And, and you use all kinds of excuses and things that wouldn't fly if you had to hold them up to scrutiny. But you're able to convince your brain that you need to put your jujitsu membership on hold, even though it's in Oklahoma and nobody has ever contracted the disease, as an example. you know, yeah, Even yeah, though there's yeah. no likelihood whatsoever. Well, what if I would never forgive myself if my child got sick from this illness and I didn't take the opportunity right, to, right, right, to avoid right, it? Right, right, Yeah, and, and I should preface this by saying that um, Todd and I, on our, Dr. Arkava, Todd and I, we this is our life. Uh, medicine's our life. It's what we love to do. It's how we put food on the table. Um, so we're, we're not necessarily out there giving medical advice or trying to treat anybody. We're just trying to bring out awareness. That's all we're trying to do. Um, the things that we say are our opinions and we differ. He and I differ. We don't practice the same way. There's things that he's worried about that I'm not, and I'm worried about he's not. And we come together and we usually actually consulting with Dr. Todd is usually really good during my uh, shift because he kind of has a different look on things than I do. Um, so these are nothing but our opinions. They don't represent the hospital that we work for or our other partners and in no way should be taken as medical advice. This is just information that we're giving people. Because the fact of the matter is we don't have enough facts in front of us to make an educated decision at this point. Yeah. And we did the quick video to kind of help people just understand precautions and things to look for. We're going to get really into the weeds here. Um, and some, of, some of you are going to find it very interesting. Other folks are going to find it very boring. Um, I hope that we can keep it on a level that keeps everyone's interest. But this isn't going to be like our normal podcast. This is going to be really directed towards those folks in jiu-jitsu, what the traps not to fall into, what to be aware of. And it may not be quite straightforward, but I hope you guys can be able to walk away and take something from this. So um, getting back on track, because that was a little off, but 
I forgot to do that disclaimer when we sat down. Yes, talk. Yeah. <laughs> along, the, along the same lines of your disclaimer is that this is a constantly evolving, um, you know, situation. And so the data that we present today may not be accurate tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that's an important, I would, I think it would, the world would be a much better place. Voters would be much more educated. Politicians could not spin things. Pharmaceutical companies would have a hard time spending things if everyone took statistics, yeah. <laughs> but had to take a six-month refresher <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. and have to read scientific <laughs> papers occasionally because it keeps you honest. Because sure. we're going to go over some numbers today that some of them, um, well, I'll, I'll just, I'll take the, the most common thing that we hear right now, um, coronavirus. Well, first, why don't we, before we get into that, why don't we talk about what a coronavirus actually is? Yeah, I was going to say, let's define it for Yeah, because, for because people, people are throwing this thing, or word around, like, coronavirus and it's really irritating because there are would you dare say thousands of coronaviruses i think there's so there's i believe uh, somewhere in 10 to 18 different uh, varieties but then there's multiple strains within those varieties so it's the epidemiology or not the classification of viruses is kind of odd you know you've got the the standard genus and species and then there's variants and subtypes and there's all kinds of those you take something like influenza and there's just thousands of them, right? Even right, though it's right, right. all influenza. So same thing with coronavirus. There's multiple varieties of it. Now you correct me if I'm wrong, because that that's what you're here for. You're here to check me, <laughs> right? Yeah. Anthony's here to kind of ask questions and make keep us using our language in such a way that people will understand it. So you interrupt me if I'm wrong. I interrupt you if I don't agree with you. Anthony interrupts both of us if whatever we say needs clarification. I got that. to to get it. To, to get it a little bit more um, just clear for everyone that's not in the medical profession. Would you be fair to say the typical coronavirus up until now is a cough and cold type virus, lower respiratory type infection? So that that's one of the common ones of coronavirus, but um, SARS and MERS, those life-threatening viruses were also coronaviruses. Right. And they were um, mutations, what we would say. So animals can carry coronavirus we can carry coronavirus and we typically can't transmit one to another but occasionally that does happen and that's when you have a novel virus and that's what's happened in this case am i correct in saying that right so it's believed that this was in an animal reservoir so it was living in an animal species that's not human and somehow mutated most likely in bats um, and then came back, was able to be transmitted to humans. And that's why it's not the normal coronavirus that we're seeing. Right. And what makes a novel virus so darn difficult? Well, just that there's nobody's been exposed to it before. So when you're normally exposed to it, like the common cold, you know, you get that coronavirus, your immune system is strong and it makes antibodies to it. So your likelihood, if you were to catch it again, your body can fight it off. Now, a novel virus is it's brand new. So yeah. your body's never seen these proteins on the on the virus before. So we have no defense, no antibodies to administer uh, an attack against and be able to combat it. Right. Okay. Um, so you you had mentioned SARS. You had mentioned. Did you say MERS? MERS. How many scares have we had? <laughs> <laughs> I saw a great. I think I might have it on my phone. I saw an awesome little list that had all these different scares on it. Mm-hmm. And all that we've survived. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we got swine flu, H1N1, MERS, SARS. 
Y two K. Yes. I mean, those are those are legitimate concerns. Though, like yeah. avian influenza. If that ever figures out a way to go from birds to people, that's We're potentially have dangerous. Some problems. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you talk about the uh, the infectivity. Like, how easy is it to transmit between people and amongst people, and then the lethality of it. Okay. You take something like Ebola virus or Marburg virus or something that's got a really high mortality rate, and fortunately doesn't spread as easily because it kills people quickly. What is, do you know off the top of your head? I know we didn't look this up at all because we're, we're about two years out from Ebola, right? Right. Um, or three, man, no longer than that. It's, it's like three or four years out. Remember how we had to do the different rooms right? and the, the full body suit and the the Uh, outbreak suit. Yeah. Um, what was the more, what's the mortality rate of Ebola? I don't Um, remember. It's high. It's high, but it was a, so some of them are up to 70%, but I think as low as 40%. There's like anything else, there's different strains with that too. Okay, okay. But the, the MERS, the Middle East uh, Respiratory Syndrome, that one I believe was 36%. And, and that's a coronavirus. So you guys have to understand like 36%, that is an enormously high mortality rate. That's huge. It's huge. Um, flu is 0.01. Flu. Uh, point one. Oh, it's point one. Point one is the, the one uh, that I found. Holy crap. I mean, is it really point one? Well, I did I my thought. damn math wrong. <laughs> yeah, so point one. I, I definitely did my math wrong. I have that on video. I say point zero one. Okay. So we anyways. Can, can double uh, check. Point, yeah, I do. Yeah. God, did my math wrong. I put that damn decimal in the wrong place. <laughs> um, but that that is so low. And that actually has, I mean, how many deaths a year do we have? From because we have yeah because we have forty five million cases of influenza right. worldwide yeah I think right? it's two hundred thousand no 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 that's in the U S is forty five million forty five million in the U S just in the U S yeah. right and so what point one percent of that mm-hmm. move well, the decimal I, it was point like two, move the decimal point something I thought is what the the deaths off that in oh, the U S were I thought that that would be based off of twenty twenty million then. But I, if yeah, I'm moving the dust right. Away. I thought that nationally, it's or I'm, I'm sorry, internationally, worldwide, it's like two hundred thousand a year from influenza. Okay, okay. I believe so. But yeah, and that, that's a lot of people dying. Yeah, that's a lot of people sure. dying. Right. Now, bump that up to thirty some percent. That's crazy. Oh, that yeah, that's that's apocalyptic. Yeah, um, I don't know what the flu epidemic of nineteen eighteen was, but it was yeah, it was pretty bad. It, but it's hard to use those numbers because was it that the it was so virulent or that medicine was. 1918 medicine. Yeah, right. that, and that, those are the those are the important points that you have to keep in mind when you hear these different numbers. Um, yeah, so, so just going going back yeah. to that, so the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome about 30, 30 something percent mortality. The SARS epidemic that was nine um, percent, okay. which is still huge. Huge, yeah, yeah. So it's almost almost one in ten. Well, if you look at our numbers right now, and I have them, mm-hmm. I have them here. While you're pulling your numbers up, uh, according to the CDC in the U.S., 2018 and 2019 influenza season, uh, over all ages, um, it was uh, symptom, uh, symptomatic illnesses estimated at 35 million. Um, deaths were 34,000. Yeah. So and that's in the U.S.? In just in the U.S., okay. yeah, according yeah. to the CDC. So um, as of today, as of right now. I think I've got more, more current numbers. 213 cases in the United States. Oh, not the. I've got the the worldwide numbers. Okay, I, I, I'm just looking at the. So, if, um, we'll talk more about resources right now. I'm at the the WHO or the WHO. It's WHO.net, and it's a great resource for you to use. Uh, as of right now, 213 cases in the United States. 
they don't have number of deaths, but the last I saw was 17. So if you did that, I, I can do math quick in my head. That's about 6%, but I might be wrong. Yes, but that that's much higher than the, the worldwide numbers. Right, that's much higher because, and this, this is a concept that I want everybody to understand when you're hearing these statistics. Right now, and I'll, I have somebody here to check what I'm saying. If I was to test for flu, testing for flu is a very simple process. I would argue to say we over-test for flu. Okay, especially in the emergency department. So what that does is that gives me an, an overall greater group of people that I'm going to find out that have the flu. I'm going to get a really large number. Right. So the people that die, um, I have a large denominator that I'm going up against. And that causes my percentile to be lower than it should. Right. With the COVID testing... It's not as easy. We don't have a rapid testing. And what I mean by COVID, everybody, that, that is what we are calling. COVID-19 is what we are calling this particular coronavirus. So with COVID-19, if I want to get the test, I'm supposed to call the health department. I have to have somebody collect it because we don't have a lab in the hospital. It's it's a much more ardu- arduous arduous yeah. arduous process Good to get yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying <laughs> man do don't forget um, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying my best to um, ex- just get an idea that it's I cannot get that test as readily as I can uh, an influenza test right and we're also discouraged from doing the testing because there's a limited number of them right and so when I have a few deaths that's going to be compared to a very low denominator. And that's going to cause the percentile to be really falsely high. Right. So we're, Is we're that a good a, way? Did that come across okay? I know that's hard. I wish I had a whiteboard because right. I had a whiteboard. Yeah. I could explain it better. Sure. But right. if you're testing thousands of people and thousands of people come positive, you can have a lot of deaths and, and your percentile is still going to look relatively low. Sure. But if I'm only testing a few people, the sickest people, and of course some of those sick people are going to die. I'm going to have a falsely high percentile uh, rate of death. Yeah. Basically. Well, right. it's, it's to, to kind of uh, give it a different analogy is if you poll for, you know, we're in, we're in politics season right now. If you poll a state full of Republicans about a, an issue, you're going to get a bunch of Republican answers, right? It's the same thing. So your data is skewed based off of what your testing pool is. Right. And if you have a small testing pool of mainly sick people, obviously that's going to give you uh, higher numbers than that as opposed to a broader uh, sample, I guess. Okay. Yeah, and so. just an example. Um, when you look at the data from right in Wuhan, where, where it started, mm-hmm. the uh, mortality rate was two to four percent, and then they're finding that in the rest of China, it's zero point seven percent. But the original people who were tested were the ones in intensive care units on ventilators who were super super sick. Right. And then once they realized what it was and started widely testing other people, then they suddenly realized, like, okay, well, a lot of people have this, and. You know, for the general population, right now it's about eighty percent chance of it just being a mild illness, mm-hmm. just another cold. Gotcha. So, not to freak everybody out and scare them with these mortality statistics, but there's a very high likelihood of just mild illness. And those those folks at greatest risk are actually a smaller demographic than what they are for the flu. So, with the flu, the people that we really, really, really worry about are those people under five, those people mm-hmm. over sixty, pregnancy. Do you remember that year that we had? That post-viral influenza, like the post, the post-viral pneumonias and the pregnant women, and they were dropping <clears throat> like flies. I don't remember that. But. Yeah, it was about five or six years ago, and we had a. St- no, it was the, it was the time H one N one was around, okay. I believe, 
and the the mortality rate for rate for pregnancy was through the roof. So there's things we worry about at the time that we forget about years later. But yeah. in any case, uh, under five, over sixty, pregnant, comorbidities, HIV, dialysis. Um, I can't think of uh, COPD would be another one that you'd yeah. worry about with Cancer, influenza, immunosuppression. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, but really, the demographics with that we are at least we're we're thinking have a higher mortality rate with COVID are really over 65 pregnancy is not in there right uh young age is not in there mm-hmm. the core the, the comorbidities are always in there listen you, you you have copd you're at risk for everything um if you if you're if you're immunosuppressed you're at risk for everything so you you get lumped into that i don't think i'm missing anybody in that yeah just looking at the statistics that i've got for the the death rate broken down by comorbidity it's a uh, cardiovascular disease is the highest risk and then uh diabetes then asthma copd respiratory disease interestingly hypertension is on there just high blood pressure oh, crap and then uh cancer <laughs> <laughs> That's That's and then broken down by by age range um zero to nine years old no fatalities which is interesting yeah and i've been like, saying zero to ten so shoot okay, have yeah. i been given false okay i don't know this one bro okay zero, zero to nine, nine no then, fatalities yeah, that's 10, incredible 10 yeah. to 19 zero point two percent Okay. And then it, it really takes a leap at 60. 60. Is it 0.2 or 0.02? 0.2. Damn it. I, <laughs> you, you really I, loved you remember it. when I did this with the EKG thing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a total inside joke. Nobody else is going to get this except for the people that were on shift with us that day. The 12 milliseconds. It's, it's, what was I saying? 12? And you're like, no. It's, it's 120. It's, yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyways. That damn decimal. So, okay, so point two. So, I mean, that's still not non-existent, but it's pretty darn low. Right. That's and I couldn't find a breakdown of, of those people were these, you know, young people who had cancer or were the young people who are otherwise sick. I right, couldn't find those right. numbers. Um, and then it really spikes up at 70, correct? Um, or so 75. Uh, 60 to 69, 3.6% mortality. 70 to 79, 8% mortality. And 80 plus, 14, 14.8%. Damn. Now, I tried to find a breakdown just like that with influenza, and I couldn't find it. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I would, I again, total speculation here, but I wouldn't be surprised if the influenza numbers look similar to that. Except with a with a spike in the extremely young, right, right, right. Because yeah, we don't we don't like young ones getting influenza. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can turn into a bad, um, a bad, an incredibly bad situation if they are requiring extra oxygen. So, um, so coronavirus. I think we kind of covered what it is, the idea of it. It's a this is a novel virus, so it's been mutated. Okay, wait, your, we got some. Is that your influenza by age breakdown? Yeah. Okay. They do. It's 0.8, 0.6. Yeah. So it definitely affects those kids younger than 10 years old and in influenza. So we're looking at rates of like 0.6 and 0.8 versus zero. Okay. But I was wondering about the old ones, 65 and over 74%. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. What do they used to call it? Old man's friend? That was pneumonia. Yeah. yeah. Old man's friend. Oh, that's pneumonia. Yep. But influenza can cause pneumonia. Don't want to get too complicated here. Anyways. Oh, and just uh, yeah. if anybody's a stickler for, um, uh, you know, terms and everything, the uh, the COVID-19 is the name of the disease yes, yes. caused by the SARS-CoV-2 <laughs> virus. Yeah. So what, what is it? Like, COV-2? Yeah. Yeah. So it's the SARS-Coronavirus-2. 
Right. And so this is kind of like saying somebody has HIV and then when they get the disease, they have AIDS. It's kind of the same. Right. Same yeah, idea. One's the name of the virus and then the other one's the name of the disease caused by the virus. If anybody's going to try and call us somebody's out going to, somebody's yeah. going to, and just, 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 just don't, please. Yeah, don't be that guy. Yeah. yeah. Don't be that. Yeah. We don't have Nobody the comments. We won't have the comments. Yeah. You're that guy. <laughs> or lady. You're that guy. Or lady. Or that yeah. lady. Yeah. Um, lady listeners. So we covered what it is. Um, Let's let's cover a couple things that have been happening worldwide. Um, I know that Japan has closed school for three months. At least this is what I heard, what I read. Right. Closed school school for three months. People are now working in shifts. Wow. Yeah. So, um, which is good for them. We've heard certain things in the medical community about exposures and potential. Um, hey, if you're exposed, this potentially can happen. And I know that a lot of people get upset at these. Um, these steps that are being taken, I guess there's something that people do have to understand. Every disease process, no matter what it is, has a probability of becoming a pandemic, becoming the end of the world. That probability is pretty low. It's pretty low. But the probability still exists. And as somebody that's in leadership, let's just take the emperor of Japan, for instance. If he does an action and there's an inevitable result... It doesn't look as bad as when he takes no action and there's the same inevitable result. Sure. Because people just don't have the logic to understand, hey, it didn't matter what you did. Because when you do nothing, that's the worst thing you can do. So it gets frustrating when we hear about schools being closed, this being done, that being done. And to me, it's an inevitable disease that everyone's eventually going to get. And if you look at the numbers, give it to me as soon as possible. Right. Because <laughs> every day that goes by, and I think Marshall, uh, or, uh, our director, had uh, Dr. Hall had said something. Every day that goes by, <laughs> and and some of it's in jest, of course. Yeah. But the closer you get to that seventy-five years, that's not good. That's and true. some of these coronaviruses do take years for you to get. Uh, but the point being, there are a lot of actions that are taking place right now that we're hearing about and reading about. But you have to remember, these are being under the advice of some very, very smart people that realize there's always the potential of this becoming worse than everyone is predicting. And if we sit around and we do nothing, that looks terrible. Even if we do something that doesn't make sense, it's going to be better than us just sitting around not addressing the public concern. Unless what is happening doesn't make sense and it's adversely affecting people yes you know shutting down your entire workforce for three months what that would do to an economy like the united states that would be crippling yeah well it's just the schools that are shut down for three months from what i heard from i read okay um the workforce isn't shut down they're just doing shifts okay so try to keep the 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 con because you've been on the I, I was in Japan and sometimes those trains get really packed oh yeah i'm sure oh so packed yeah. and everybody's just chill they all just kind of pack in like sardines. Yeah. And you just pray. Man, I was trying to hold off a whole crowd crushing this one little girl on her phone. And I'm like, oh, I can't let this crowd get to her. I can't let this crowd get to her. I got a workout, man. It was yeah. awesome. Um, she but yeah. like, whatever, though. She didn't yeah. even notice. She didn't care. She's <laughs> like, why is this white man hovering over me? But interestingly, that they're going to close the schools when children are least likely to get, you know, Sick from it. Just looking at it from logic, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, so a lot of the decisions aren't logical. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, so the uh, one of the newer things that's popped up is uh, Italy. Uh, the prime minister over there is now locking down northern Italy on travel bans, um, 
you were talking about how things change from day to day. Um, as of Saturday, uh, Italy had, um, let's take that back. Let's, let's roll it back. Um, yeah, Saturday they had more than 5,800 cases of the virus, 233 of them being fatal, um, with increases of almost 800 infections and 49 deaths from the day before. So just in one day they lost 50 people and 800 more got infected. Um, so yeah, Northern Italy is essentially being locked down, no travel in or out, um, trying to take, uh, a, well, I lost the page that I had it on a second ago, but anyway, they're, they're basically trying to take a page out of China's book and, and keep those yeah. people. And there, there is a threshold. I, I gotta, um, I don't want to say any names on the podcast, mm-hmm. um, cause I did not ask for this person's approval before talking about it, Sure. but I did get a really, I got a fantastic question and nobody posed this question and I I really, I wanted to ask you what you thought of this. They said, hey, what is the threshold that we really should shut down a business? Oh, yeah. That, I was like, oh man. Well, my answer to that was, well, you look at your customers and when a certain percentile of them drop due to them staying home because of a fever, Mm -hmm. then it's like, okay, it's time to shut down for a little bit. Yeah. But I have no idea what that percentile is. I I don't know what that. It probably matters also what you do. You know, right. if, if your business is well, let's take Lifetime Fitness. Okay, because we're not affiliated with Lifetime Fitness, so sure. I, I don't feel bad talking about them. Um, <clears throat> let's just say generic gym. Okay, fitness we won't say Lifetime location. Fitness. Average Joe's <laughs> time Time Life Fitness. <laughs> so we take Time Life Fitness. When do they shut their doors? You, oh, you're the CEO. When do you? I don't have. I mean, I have a, a clue and I have an idea, of, but I keep. To give somebody a, a, because what somebody wants is, it's kind of like uh, when we call poison control, how long do I got to hold on to this this overdose? Right. I want an objective number. Mm-hmm. Six hours? Okay, great. And somebody asking for an idea, well, when when when, when is it appropriate for us to close our doors and end people's livelihoods for two weeks? Right. So if you want to look at just from a medical standpoint, so the it's thought that the virus can live outside of a host for maybe nine days. Okay. And so, but it can be easily killed with common cleaning solutions. So does that mean that they have to have shortened open hours to make sure that they're cleaning every evening or leave it up to their customers to make sure they're wiping down the equipment after Mm -hmm. every use? I mean, I I know I don't do that. I'm like, "Ah, I didn't really sweat during that set. I'm not going to clean that. So that's a tough one. And are you going to check your member's temperature? Before they work out, not enough. I mean, <laughs> something Could like you a, imagine somebody at the door of the gym, oh they're just gosh. like, yeah, rubbing the thing across your forehead. You're yeah. good. You're good. <laughs> You're good. Well, I will say so. Uh, my kids are taking swimming lessons right now, so we show up to their swim school this morning, and um, there was a lady there who she may work there all the time. I don't know. Never seen her before, and we've been going for two months now, I think. Um, but she was wiping everything down, like in yeah. between, you know, uh, classes. Like you know, you have a swarm of people come in. As soon as those people come out, she was, you know, wiping down all the, the common area. Like, cause they have hair dryers and stuff for you to use, um, okay. you know, to, to take care of your kids after. Um, and they were really thoroughly taking care of everything. So I think part of it is like common sense, right? If you've got the, the runny nose and the cough, it's like, it's just like anything else. Like just, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go, sense. yeah, you wouldn't go work out if you had those things. Yeah. So it, it's part of that's your own responsibility of like not infecting everybody else in general. And estimations are 80% of the folks. And again, this is dirty data. But estimations at this point is 80% of the folks that are going to get this are going to have mild disease. Right. 
Um, so, and that's with the, the current data, like you were saying, which are skewed towards the sicker people. Right, right. Oh, that's a good point. Um, so advice to what we can do in the BJJ community. Okay, so what are things that if, if I came, doc, Dr. Todd, if I came to you and I was I just, let's say you're working a shift in the emergency department and the way it works for us is we have a tracking board and we see a patient come in and it'll say like flu or fever, right? Right. What are, and you click on the patient and it shows what they said to triage. No comments on that. <laughs> We're changing our triage process. So. Inside joke. What things in the triage note would make you be alarmed, would alarm you to this person being a potential um, COVID-19 patient? I mean, initially, so the... I did not warn him of these questions yeah. either. Anyway, so <laughs> so I'm really putting him on the spot. Any stumbling you were about to hear. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> no, so initially using the CDC guidelines, it was mainly travel before okay. it was worldwide. So exposure, exposure to any of the endemic areas, particularly um, China, Italy, Iran, and South Korea. God damn, he's good. I always have to look those up. That was good. <laughs> and then Japan is one of those in-betweens. Right, right, right. Um, so exposure, traveling to one of those, and then having basically a flu-like illness. Um, one of the other ones was exposure to somebody who has confirmed um, COVID-19. Right. And that, that's a little bit tougher because you don't know who has it. Sure. Right, right, right. And we're not testing everybody. It was almost like so, they wrote that one in the guidelines for a few months from now. Right. Do you know, you know what that I mean? Like when the testing becomes more spread, because again, right now testing's not easy. No, it's not. And right. they're trying to limit it. I mean, last I checked, there were 75,000 test kits. Yeah. We're a country of 350 million people. That's, that's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's good. Yeah. Cause, but, I, cause okay. Keep, keep so, so back now. to what you were saying, yeah, yeah. um, it's basically, I'm going to have a, a low threshold for, uh, for examining everybody, you okay. know, and questioning them. And we're, we have to rely on the, but right now we have to rely on the state department of health in order, I guess, to get permission to test them. Yep. Uh, the nice thing is we can still test for other illnesses. And according to the CDC and the WHO, if they clearly have another illness that we've tested for, like we can do influenza testing rapidly. If they are positive for influenza, their likelihood of also having COVID-19 is almost zero. So you can comfortably say they don't have it. Okay. Or if you do a chest x-ray and it's got a classic bacterial pneumonia, pneumonia pattern, it's very unlikely that they have both because okay. the, the viral pneumonia pattern looks very different on a chest x-ray. So the things that uh, are, I always say my, our BJJ brothers and sisters, <laughs> uh, folks in our community or any community really, but we're really concerned about our, our, our friends that we're in close contact with and we know what a pivotal portion of training plays in everyone's life. Right. Um, so the things for them to watch out for would be, obviously if they did any travel within the 14, for, uh, last 14 days, uh, flu-like illness. And I know this isn't listed, but I would even expand this to like myalgias, which is sore muscles, cough, shortness of breath. It's right. pretty and straightforward, I, right? Yeah. And I think the, uh, the myalgia is much more flu than yes. Corona. And I think, cause it's not listed under Corona. No, I yeah. think headache is not okay. uh, Corona. Sore throat is fever was really high. 98, 99% of people with the COVID-19 will have a fever. Okay. So a lot of times, you, you know, you're going to have an upper respiratory infection. You'll have the aches and cough and sore throat, but no fever. Right. So that is reassuring that, that there's something on there that's, that we can use to help rule it in and out. Right, right, right. And, and until more person-to-person transfer becomes more popular here, 
or more predominant here that travel history also plays a huge role in it yeah and going um, back i mean jujitsu is a, it's an intimate sport you yeah. know you're you're in direct contact with people and so it it would be very high to transmit between training partners and sure sure and so that is incredibly important that if you start to display symptoms like that um, that you don't come to the gym which isn't different with any other illness yeah because you just not want to infect your training partners so ways of avoiding that um and we know about hand washing we know about wearing you know flip-flops at the gym please please guys just invest in a pair of flip-flops for yeah. god's sakes don't walk on the mat. I will wear my socks before I will walk barefoot on the on the surface and then back onto the mat because our face is on that. Do not ever, do not ever walk into the bathroom without some form of flip flop <laughs> socks. I don't care if it's tennis shoes you walked in there with. Like, please. If, if I ever see somebody walk to the bathroom and then come to bow and get on that mat, you will not be stepping on the mat. That's just not going to happen. Do you know what they did in Japan? <clears throat> What's up? They have community flip flops. Yeah. Are oh, they wooden? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no. <laughs> I know we bought some of those wooden ones. Did you? They're terrible. I can't we imagine why walking on slabs of wood. We bought them from some little old Japanese lady. She was cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have pictures. I think we might even have a video of it. But um, but besides that, I think what people forget is um, some other things to do to boost your own immune system, so you either aren't as susceptible to the virus or able to combat it uh, better. Is you know getting plenty of sleep, limiting limiting your alcohol intake. Um, you know, eating the right foods, keeping your stress levels down. I mean, the people that are watching this, and I can name some people, but I don't want to say anything because they're probably listening to this, that are right now obsessively watching TV. I've heard this from their significant others. Mm-hmm. Obsessively watching to what's happening. It's like the new Super Bowl, but it's 24 hours a day. Sure. sure. Um, that's raising your cortisol levels. That's lowering your immune system. That's making you more susceptible. But the argument I have, the one thing that you can do to increase your immune system better than anything else is working out. So you need to be on the match. You need to be out there. You need to be having those endorphins going and getting out there with your teammates and and training. Um, Before Dr. Arkava took a life um, took a vow. Took a vow of uh, helping others at the cost of his own health. And if you guys knew anything about our actual training and residency, you would know that's not actually a joke. Um, you were highly involved in um, supplements and bodybuilding and health all the way around. You worked at a supplement store for a while. And we have two totally different... I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, if it works, great. And you're like, ah, oh, it's crap. It doesn't work. <laughs> so um, what, is there any immune boosting... Like when people ask me about supplements that they can take, because we get that a lot in our community. Right. You know, what can I do to recover? What can I do to, to keep illness away? You know, I give the typical recommendations of vitamin C, 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams a day. Are there any other things that you know from your background that is even worth doing to help your immune system? What, what is the elderberry syrup? of the coronavirus what is the (laughs) so so short answer no there's there's not anything that's going to there's no such thing as boosting your immune system we know that right Um, when you get sick that's the best thing you can do to boost your immune system when you expose your immune system to a virus it revs up and it's active unless you have an illness like hiv that that suppresses your immune system there's no supplement that your immune system's like, oh, we don't have enough vitamin C. I'm not going to be able to combat That's the common cold. So it's just, <laughs> it's just not a thing. Right. Now, any of these substances, when tested in a lab and comes in direct contact with the virus, can kill it. So people think, well, I'll just eat it. 
And so they just wind up being dangerous, right? So heavy metals like zinc and silver, when you put... But you hear a lot of people talk about zinc. Right. So when you put it in direct contact with the virus, it kills it. Eating it doesn't do that. So then that company makes the zinc nose spray. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's enough concentration of zinc or if it's going to come in contact with the virus enough to actually inactivate it. Right. And then people will eat colloidal silver thinking that that's going to help them somehow. I know somebody who does that. Um, (laughs) We both know somebody who does that. Not to criticize the people who do that, but there's there's no scientific evidence that any of those things will reduce your chance of getting any type of viral infection. And unlike zinc, you can overdose on the silver very easily and turn into a blueberry. It turns blue, right? Yeah, it turns blue. Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But as far as vitamins, supplements, any of that sort of thing, um, nothing's been shown to actually help you combat viruses. Okay. And I am not on social media, so don't send me all kinds of hate. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, so yeah, there you have it. Um, As far as the numbers there, was there any other things that you guys wanted to make sure we talked about in regards to that? As far as, uh, sorry, just uh, back to the jujitsu, as far as cleaning the mats, do you have any idea what, what substances they're using for that? I don't, to be honest with you. It's I, know, a, I know it's a specific mat cleaning <clears throat> solution. Well, it's like that's de- used I think we talked. Well, I think that was on the last podcast. We talked about defense soap. Uh, I think we gave them a little shameless, or not shameless, a free plug. Yeah. Uh, for defense soap. Yeah. Um, they make a mat cleaner, but I don't know if that's what. No, he, he uses another one. I don't know if he actually purchased it through Gracie Baja or not. But oh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. I'd have to ask him. Yeah. I, I actually, I told Professor that if he wanted to show up here. As a surprise, you know, hey guys, you know, I'm more than welcome. I didn't hear anything back from him, but um, that would have been a great question for him. But I know there's a specific cleaning solution he does use. Um, and I know we clean the mats. Um, I know we clean them every, after every practice. Right. Um, sweep them, mop them. Um, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he does it before practice too. This is what I hear a lot and stuff is tea tree oil and eucalyptus oil. Because I know like my uh, spray that I use from like my boxing gloves and stuff like that. Everything is tea tree oil and eucalyptus oil. So so I'm, I'm not sure as far as, far as inanimate objects, yeah. spraying that on there is, probably works. Like yeah. I said, you know, coming in direct contact. Yeah. Uh, it's more antifungals that you would want for that because it's wet and, and moldy. Mm-hmm. But right. as far as if, if we want to, you know, specifically killing coronavirus... Um, alcohol solution, bleach solution, and hydrogen peroxide solution. Gotcha. I okay. think there might be some... Com- Boy, I've, we need to look. So you're saying alcohol, bleach, and hydrogen, or hydrogen peroxide. peroxide. yeah. Okay. All the good um, stuff. Yeah. 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 So that pretty much kills anything, right? Because well, yeah, w- anyway. when you're dealing with a, with a matte solution... You know, those mats are so expensive that... Yeah, you don't want to break down the fabric. Right. There, it's, there's some happy balance of the of the, of the the concoction that they're using, but that'll be good to look into. So for it any of the so school bleach. owners that you're that are listening to this, and I know we have a number of school owners who actually listen, um, that I guess that's the key, those three things. Yeah, I can give the percentages if they care, or they can just look on the EPA website. Throw okay. it out there. Right. Yeah, just so, throw it out there. It'll take half a second. Yeah, the, the alcohol solution is uh, 62 to 71%. The hydrogen peroxide solution, 0.5%. Did you get that decimal point? <laughs> I'll, don't the, worry. I'll screw it up. And it then the, ble- the bleach solution is 0.1%. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Um, yeah, because I think that that's a, that's a the, I think the two, we sometimes forget the two demographics of folks that are out there for us. Um, well, I guess we really have three, don't we? We have the, um, the average guy training. 
Then we got the right. family member who also has their kids that they're thinking about. We have gym owners that listen. Yeah. And so I think that this is, you know, it's a good question. You know, as a gym owner, how, how scared do you got to be about this? And I hope that we're not, again, we're just trying to give you information with the numbers that we have right now and how best to protect yourself. I yeah. think having something out there for your members to just, again, remember, hey, you got to stay clean. You got to wash your hands. We know the disinfectant wipes work well. Right. Are those things still off the market? I don't think you can get them. I haven't really looked. I haven't yeah. had a need for them, but my understanding is they're not on the shelves and yeah. stores are trying to limit purchases on all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah, like Purell, hand sanitizer, all that. That's right. But soap and, soap and water works just fine. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, how about a mask? Should I be wearing a mask everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that one is, you know, it, it's equivalent. If you are sick, yes. Okay. Yeah, if you have a fever and a cough and you're not quarantined, you should be wearing a mask when you're out in public. So... That this is this, and I, I say it in sarcastically because it's a point that really, really, really bothers me. If you guys see the surgical masks, surgical masks, the traditional surgical masks that you see people wear, that is preventing you from giving somebody else an illness. It's not preventing you from getting an illness. Okay, so when you see the pictures of people like when I was in Japan and everybody was wearing the surgical masks, mm -hmm. that's a courtesy. That's not something that they're doing because they're afraid of your germs. They wear it, believe it or not, for their breath, for if the, there's anything uncleanly on their face, to keep you from getting their germs. And there's some small component there. There's like seven major reasons why they wear it. Right. And that, that's why surgeons wear them in the operating room. Right. To not contaminate the wound. They don't care about the wound getting <laughs> right. to them. Right. So we have seen these masks go right off the shelves. Oh, yeah. Because I think people are under a misconception that they're going to keep, those masks are going to somehow protect them. Right. It's not going to protect you. No. But there is one mask that does. Right. So the uh, the N95 that I'm sure everybody's heard about is a is a different kind of mask that's got a really really small filter in it that's smaller than most viral particles, so they can't get in. And so I can get one of those, and I'm good for the next two years, right? Except that they work for, what is it, eight hours? Yeah, eight hours. Yeah, that's they have a lifespan on them. Yeah. So those are gone. And um, you know where all those are made? Wuhan. 90-some <laughs> <laughs> percent of them? Yeah. Yeah. So what that's you have now is what we have now. Yeah. Um, so uh, utilization of resources from our side is really important. So you can't expect everybody to wear these. You certainly can't expect to wear one while you're rolling. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, you know, as, as we were getting back to you as a owner, I think a good thing is just make a, a public announcement to your students, you know, just keep them, keep them abreast of how important hygiene is. Um, and we should know that already, but this is, you know, this, this is almost what I'd like to say is an expanded flu season because yeah. people are going to get this coronavirus, no matter how much we try to quarantine, no matter what we try to do, it's a coronavirus. that's never going to go away. It's never going to get wiped out. Um, and it's going to be around, it's going to be around 20 or 30 years from now. So, so you're going to eventually be exposed to it. So you try to do the precautions that everyone does. Good hand washing, good hygiene, keeping your surfaces clean, um, balanced diet, good sleep, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, and back to things that do work. Vaccines do work. So yeah. flu shot does work. And in, you know, a year or so, once this vaccine's available, that that is something that you can do to actually prevent it. Do you think it'll take? So this is one thing I don't have a lot of background on. How long does it take them to develop like, the vaccine? Yeah. How long do you think it's going to take? Because obviously they're actively working on it. So the stuff that I that I read said eighteen to twenty four months. 
Okay. The, the CDC is already able to grow it, and they're able to identify certain proteins on there. Okay, that's and what so, I was going to yeah. So they're able to manufacture a vaccine, but then you have to, it takes time in order for whatever medium you put that vaccine in for it to reproduce. Right. That's why like, they're working on next year's flu vaccine now, because it takes right. that long in order for whatever medium, I think they use eggs or something, mm-hmm. in order for it to divide and divide and to make enough to give it to everybody. So, you know, it's going to be a while. Um, the th- this is, it's a heat-sensitive virus, so in summertime, it should be gone, but then it'll just move to the southern hemisphere. Yep. Where it's warm there. Right. And Makes sense. Or cold there, sorry. Yeah, cold. Yeah, yeah. And then it, it may be cyclical, just like the flu. Yeah, it probably will be. Um, anything else you guys want to add before we close up? I think we've hit the, the main... You know, yeah. questions on everybody's mind. Yeah, is, so I, I is hope... Is it going to kill me? And yeah. what do I do to keep it away? It's yeah. like just common sense. And again, this is just all our opinions. We're going to we're gonna understand more as it evolves. Um, for the people that said that this is the end of the world, um, they can be wrong, and that will be forgotten a year from now. That's sure, the way sure. It always is. Yeah. <laughs> did, did we talk about like people that are like autoimmune compromised already? Did we hit on that? Mm, a little bit, okay. yeah. yeah. Sure Briefly. We, okay. Yeah, because if you are, I mean, any any illness you want can really wreck you. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's just same. I think we said the same as, as the flu, though, is just kind of keep your distance. Uh, <laughs> Somebody like you described it as the flu, yeah. yeah, the flu on steroids. I don't know yeah. who said that, but yeah. I was like, oh, that's, that's not a bad way to look yeah. at it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> as of right now, it is. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, when we get comments on this through the Facebook, um, the Facebooky, um, that maybe we'll get some questions that we can address later on. Maybe we'll do a part two segment. I sure. know I wanted Marshall here, Dr. Hall. Yeah. To, to talk a little bit, but um, you know, possibly do a part two. Um, I know with that new information that proves everything that we said today is wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think sure. that's what I ended my video yesterday with was like, "Hey, this is a, this is an evolving process. The numbers oh, yeah. are going to be different." And you know, we yeah. I mean, as I said to a lot of people when this back in February was, we will one day have a virus that will wipe out. We're gonna it's gonna wipe out a major portion of people. I don't believe this is the virus. Sure. This, to me, doesn't have the things I'm worried about to make that happen. But there will be one one day, and I can be wrong. Probability is I'm not wrong. Probability is I'm right. But eh, you never know. We'll have to see how things pan out. Until then, there's only so many things we can do. And mass hysteria does not help anything whatsoever. True. So you have to do the right steps at the right time, um, and they have to be logical. But we can understand why people take certain steps even when they're not. Right, yeah. So uh, until then, if you guys don't have anything to add, we're going to close on out. And, uh, you know, next podcast, uh, I think we're either going to have Professor Reggie on or um, we'll be doing the men's and wives yeah. <laughs> yeah, segment, which is going to be fun and controversial. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun. But until then, guys, uh, keep training.